0: Colossians chapter 2, and I, uh, I started a series uh, a while ago now, uh, we've done a few weeks of it already, uh, on ultimately the doctrine of the church, our statement of faith in the Constitution uh, that we hold to. And uh, we started off with the Bible, the scriptures that were given to us. Uh, we went on to a dispensational view of those scriptures. So I had to do that in two parts. And the first part, of course, well, I guess technically it was three if you include that Sunday night one that was extra. But uh, we, did, we did the two kingdoms and how God has divided the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven and how those things are laid out and gives you light on the scriptures. And then we talked about the dispensations and how God has Uh, ultimately working through those dispensations and what He did and how salvation, as we would call it, uh, is attained, and each one, uh, and how God does things. And number three in our Constitution is the true God, Uh, in this case, the Godhead. Uh, And so I'm going to preach this morning on on the Godhead, on who He is and who we worship. Uh, Of course, Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 6 Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Uh, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in Him, Jesus Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead, bodily Uh, Jesus Christ fulfilled all of the Godhead bodily that's who he is Uh, as we look at God and we look at the Godhead we find uh, oftentimes that there's three parts to the Godhead that we look at Uh, we speak of God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost Uh, Jesus Christ is also referenced as the word we'll see that as well here soon Uh, But many of the world's false religions, their idea of who God is and who Jesus Christ is becomes very different. Uh, False religion in the world has a very skewed view of what the Godhead is. Uh, They have thoughts on who God is and they may have a God or they may have several gods or they may have millions of gods if you were to go to the Hindu religion. Uh, But ultimately when you find out there's only one God. There's, he is the supreme God of the universe. Uh, there are gods, many, but there's only one God. And God Almighty is who He is, and He exists in three parts. Now, uh, the oddity is that people go, well, you've got these three parts, and they must be three separate beings, and they must, and I'm going to explain some of that as best as you possibly can. Uh, look over at First John chapter five. Now, amazingly enough, we've already covered the scriptures. Uh, If you don't have a King James Bible, you've probably got either a footnote or a completely missed verse, or they split up verse 8 to make it verse 7, or they, and there's a million other things that they do because that's what they do, Uh, but they remove 1 John chapter 5 and verse 7 or try to stomp it out as best they possibly can uh, to remove the deity and the Godhead. And that's exactly what it's there for. That's what they remove it for. And their answer is, well, the oldest and the best manuscripts don't have, and that's a bunch of garbage. That's all I'm going to say about it. In verse number 7, if you don't uh, know what I'm talking about, you can feel free and go back to listen to part 1 of this series, okay? Uh, but First John chapter 5 and verse number 7, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. Notice what he says about them. And these three are one there is no distinction this is the greatest and simplest verse of the godhead in all of the bible it is no wonder that all the new versions try to remove it or eliminate it or change it or go ahead and detract from it you get to this verse right here and you know what you find you find that there's three persons three distinct pieces that go together to become one this is not an oddity we find in first thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23, that a man, you and I, are made up of three parts. We're a spirit, a soul, and a body. Well, Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 26, his statement is, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. By the way, isn't it odd that in the Old Testament, God refers to himself in the plural? Let us make man in our image. He's one individual, but he's talking as if he's more than one individual. So either God's a schizophrenic and he's really just messed up in the head, or uh, he's got multiple personality disorders and dysphorias and all the other things that the world wants to go with, or he's God in three distinct parts that can operate. The difference between God and you ultimately is uh, on the design factor, he can separate his parts to do a job, and you and I, as soon as we lose one of those, we're dead. All right. We step into eternity. That's what happens to us. Well, he's already there and he can operate differently than you and I can. And so he has these different pieces. And so uh, we can go repeatedly. I'm not going to. I don't have uh, all of the time. I will not be as brief as Brother Stiles was last week. So don't get your hopes up. (laughs) He got done. I thought that's half a message for me normally right now. Um, So maybe even a third. I don't know what happened. Uh, So I said, boy, all right. Uh, But you notice uh, repeatedly, I'll give you a couple of references. I gave you one already. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. Uh, Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 22, God once again talking about us and we. And what are we going to do now that man has fallen, lest they take of the tree of life and live forever as we. Uh, man knows good and evil as well as we. That's, that's the reference. It's, it's, he's constantly doing that. Uh, Genesis chapter 11, you get to... Uh, i got to get the right verse. Verse 7. Genesis chapter 11 and verse 7, right? They're building the Tower of Babel. And he says, let us go down and see this thing that they do. Well, who else is he talking to? He doesn't, he's talking to the other parts of the Godhead. They're coming down. Uh, that's what he's doing. You realize that in creation, you and I are the specialty... The pinnacle of God's creation is mankind. As He makes it there in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, He's designing everything. And what does He do? Well, Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, He breathes into His nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. you got three things right there. You've got the body. He made that out of the dust of the earth, right? And He piles it all together. He makes a big giant dust pile and forms what He wants to form. And then He goes ahead and He breathes. He gives it spirit, life. And man became a living Soul, you and I are very different from the rest of the creation. God didn't pile up a bunch of dirt, breathe into His nostrils the breath of life, and get a cow. That's not what He did. He just said, I want cows, and boom, the cattle come, and here they are. But you and I were special. We were particular to be made in His likeness and in His image. So we are a spirit, a soul, and a body. And those three parts are there. And the false religions deny the truth of this, and we'll get into why here in a while, but uh, you and I are a spirit, a soul, and a body. Well, God is a spirit, a soul, and a body. That's what He is. And so the soul of God, well, many people, they wonder, you know, well, what's a soul? You know, I mean, what does that really mean? What are you talking about? You find throughout the Scriptures the, uh, the concept and what He's bringing in ultimately is the mind, the heart, and the will. The way that you and I make who we really are, our mind, what we know, our heart, the seat of our emotions, and then our will. We choose what we want to do. God gave us that free will. That gives man the idea of a soul and what we are. Well, the mind and the heart and the will of who God is is contained within the Father. It's who He is. You see that all the way through scriptures. That's not very difficult to find. Uh, We understand that uh, that's the soul. Well, the Spirit, we understand, that's one, that one's easy. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. And so you see the Spirit, pretty easy. That's not difficult. Well, we find out that Jesus Christ is all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That makes Jesus the body, the Son, becomes. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so you have these three pieces, and they come together, and they're One. It is, not, it is not odd that God has these three parts. You and I have these three parts. How they operate is different for Him than it is for us because we're not God. That's not even hard to, that's not hard to fathom. I'm not God. <laughs> okay, I get that. <laughs> and He's God. So what does He do? Well, He can operate with these three parts. And He utilizes them. But not one of them is limited on the fact that they are not God. Every one of them is fully God. Right. Amen. They are each a part of a whole that you and I will see. And so today we're going to look at those, these three parts. We're going to look at them a little bit uh, and we're going to, we're going to see how they are all exactly, ultimately the same. They operate differently, but they do the same things. They have the same attributes. They work in the same direction. And then we're going to look at why, why does this, why does this matter? Why do people not get this and why do they want to avoid it? Because this is a cornerstone, ultimately, of everything that you and I believe. If the Godhead is not the Godhead, it's not the Trinity. People have an argument, and I'm I'm going to step. No, this is right here. Let me move over just a second. This is all extra. I use the word Trinity, and people go, "That's not in the Bible." Okay, well, Godhead is in the Bible, all right? I'm going to use Godhead an awful lot today, all right? Uh, The concept is there. The word rapture is not in the Bible. People go, oh, the word rapture is not in the Bible. It's not a biblical term. The definition is in the Bible, all right? All the definitions are there. By the way, if you really want to be hard and fast on that, I want you to throw out your computer and your cell phone. (laughs) Never drive another automobile. Say, well, I can know that's in the Bible, in fact, toss your hymn book out the door. That's not in the Bible either. That's foolishness. It's not, a, it's not a problem to go ahead and simplify a term and go ahead and utilize it, all right? And so if you hear me say Trinity, don't get all upset, you'll be fine, all right? Let's go to Lord in prayer, and uh, I, I need Him. I'm a little scatterbrained, so try, I, I apologize. I'm going to apologize now. It was a long weekend, and I'm still tired, all right? How many of you went to Youth of Blaze and you're still tired? Okay, good. All right. I'm going to try not to bore you and put you to sleep. And I'm also going to try not to fall asleep myself. Lord, I thank you for the day and we thank you for your goodness, your mercies. I thank you that you're a wonderful God. And Lord, I still marvel. I still marvel as I stood there on on Friday night and watched. And it seemed like a never-ending stream of people come forward to say that they had trusted Christ as their Savior. Or they got assurance of their salvation or they wanted to let everybody know that the Lord had touched them and called them into the ministry. And Lord, I do pray that you would, Father, be with all those decisions. But Lord, today I pray that I would be able to do justice and honor to the wonderful God who saved me forever and has washed me of my sins and has promised me a home in heaven. Lord, I do pray that you would uh, just give me wisdom as I speak. Help me, Lord, as my Lord, I pray they wouldn't wander, and and I wouldn't go off course. And I pray I'd I'd be able to say what ought to be said today, that Jesus Christ would be praised, that the Holy Ghost would be able to have free course, and that the Father would be pleased with everything that's been said and done. Lord, we love you, and we do pray you would get all the praise and the honor and the glory this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, We're going to turn to a lot of places. Uh, What we're going to do here right away is I want to look at some of the attributes of God. Now, we could do this for a very, very, very long time. I'm going to do some very simple ones uh, that we can look at. Uh, go over to Jeremiah chapter 23. Jeremiah chapter 23. I'll help you out. If, if you're turning pages, you'll stay awake. All right, teenagers? <laughs> if, you keep tu- if you turn as, as fast as I keep saying them all... Uh, and it'll help you stay awake, okay? Uh, You say, why'd you do that? So we'd all stay awake, okay? Uh, Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse number 24. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm I'm just going to give you one reference for all of these things, all right? We're going to go one reference for the Father, one reference for the Son, one reference for the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, whichever way you want to call them. All right, we're going to go to eat one for each, and we're going to look at what they are and who they really are in that place. And so uh, right here, Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse 24, uh, Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do not I fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord? Uh, this reference is towards the omnipresence of God. Uh, omnipresence means he's everywhere all the time. There's no place that he isn't. Right? And so here's God, and he says, Hey, is there anywhere you can go that I'm not, I'm not going to be able to find you? Jonah figured that out. <laughs> you can't go where God can't find you, right? God finds him. Uh, look over at Matthew. Well, you know the reference. We won't turn to this one. Matthew chapter 28, right here, right? All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always. always. Who's saying that? Jesus is saying that. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Where is He? Well, He's everywhere then. If He can be with me everywhere and He's always going to be there, then He's everywhere. That's not hard to figure out. Look over at Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Now next, next week, I need you to pray extra hard before Sunday morning for me. I'm, I'm not, that's not an exaggeration. Number four is the devil. Next week, I'm going to be talking about our greatest adversary and the adversary to the Lord God Almighty. I need a lot of prayer before I get into that fight, all right? But the difference between Satan and God, one of the biggest differences is the devil is not everywhere. He's in one place at one time. He may have a lot of, lot of, lot of things working against you and all, the, all these other devils that he's sending out to do all these things, but the devil's only in one spot at one time. God's everywhere all at once. And there's not a thing going on that he doesn't see and that he doesn't know. Uh, Psalm 139 and verse number 7. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Look at that. Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, if, even, if they, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and light are both alike to thee. <laughs> he says, it doesn't, doesn't matter where I go, the Spirit of God will find me. That's who he's talking to. He's talking to the Spirit. So then the Spirit of God is also omnipresent. It's everywhere all the time. You can't hide from it. And so you see it all the way across the board. These attributes are very particular to God alone. Even the greatest adversary to God does not have all of these things uh, that God does. Uh, Notice, I don't think anybody would disagree with the omnipotence of God, the power, the all-powerful God that you and I have. Right? The, the gospel we understand is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. The power of God. Who else in the universe has enough power to make somebody as wicked and vile as I am clean to go into a sinless and a perfect heaven? You realize one of the greatest statements in the Bible, the Pharisees are talking about it. And you know what they're thinking? They say, Who can forgive sins but God alone? You know, the Pharisees aren't wrong. I can't forgive your sins. There's nothing I can do. Pastor go can't do anything for your sins. What's he going to do? What am I going to do? There's no priest on the planet that can do anything for you. But we have a great high priest which is passing to the heavens. Well, he can forgive. Only God can forgive sins. That's the greatness of the declaration of who Jesus Christ is. I'm getting ahead of myself. Don't do that. Jesus makes the statement, all power. We already went there. Matthew chapter 28. All power... Is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Well, who gave it to him? The Father did. <laughs> the father said, Yep, we've got all power. That's ours to hold. Here it is. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Look over at Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. This is an odd message after Youth of Blaze. Normally I preach something, you know, a little extra, a little extra punch, you know, just for. But look at this. I thought about it. I thought, you know, all I get to do this morning is say how great God is. I will take that anytime, right there. Anytime. Notice, notice what he says in Romans chapter 15 and verse 19. He says this through mighty signs and wonders, by the power of of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about all... On, on, I, Il, yeah, that place. I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Paul says there in a licrium, all the way out to there. You know what he says? He says, uh, guess what? The only reason I have power is because of the Spirit of God. It's His, it's His Spirit. You know, we'll get to this later, but you realize that you and I as a Christian... When the Holy Spirit of God came upon us, we got saved. He came inside. He sealed us onto the day of redemption, all those things. You know what we got? We got that same power. Imagine. That's why when He looked at you and Jesus Christ said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth, go. <laughs> why? Because I gave you the same power that I have. Imagine. In Him, you have all that same, but you have access to all the power of God. We just don't utilize it. The omnipotence of of God is included in both Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. They all have it. It is all power. They are all omnipotent. Notice in Romans chapter 11, look back just a little bit. Romans chapter 11 and verse 33. They're also omniscient. That means all knowing. Not, not only are they everywhere all the time, not only uh, do, they, do they have all the power, they also know everything. They're all knowing. Uh, Romans chapter 11 and verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. God is so wise. He knows every little bit of everything that you could never plumb the depths of how much God, ever, God knows in His wisdom. Say, so are there other verses on all this stuff? Yeah, just keep re- There's tons of them. I'm just, if I covered every verse covering all of these things, we would be here for way longer Than we ever could imagine, all right? Uh, Look back over at uh, John chapter 21. John chapter 21. John chapter 21, you know what's happened, right? Jesus Christ has, has, been, uh, has been resurrected. He, up he comes. He raises from the dead. And as he rises, he comes out. He comes out and then he, uh, he, he's waiting, right? And Peter decides he's going fishing, right? At the beginning of John chapter 21. They're out on the boat. Jesus shows up, standing there on the shores. Hey, did you catch anything? <laughs> no. I'll cast your net on the right side of the ship and you shall find. Right? And then they come and they get all the fish. And John looks over at Peter and goes, hey, Peter, that's the Lord. We're in trouble. All right? And they get over there, right? And this is when Peter is repentant, right? Lovest thou me, Peter? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Notice what Peter's reply is in verse number 17. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. There it is. Thou knowest that I love thee, Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. You say, uh, does Jesus know everything? Of course. <laughs> of course he does. You recognize that every time he, he felt like it, he just called everybody out on what they were thinking. They thought that in their heart. Okay, I'll answer that. Right, The man's sick of the palsy. They bring him down and, oh, who's this guy think he is saying that he can forgive this guy of his sins? What's going on here? Jesus says, well, I know what you're thinking, so I'll go ahead and answer that question. You and I don't do that. Jesus did. He knows all of it. There's nothing hidden from him. Look over at John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Well, what about that Holy Spirit? Is that, is that all-knowing spirit? Is that, does that, is that omniscient just like God is? Well, John chapter 14 and verse number 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Well, the Comforter is the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is able to teach you all. All things. Well, then He must know all things. You can't teach something you don't know. You guys heard that yesterday morning, right? If there's no knowledge of the subject, do not trust their counsel, right? Well, the Holy Ghost, He knows everything, so you can trust His counsel. That's what He's there for. To lead and guide you into all truth. He's the one who knows. Not only that, but look over at Psalm chapter 90. Psalm 90. Not only are these, are these three parts of God, not only are they all God, they're God in their, they're God in their om, uh, omnipresence, they're God in their omnipotence, they're God in their omniscience, but notice what they are. They are eternal. That means they exist for all time. They live forever. You know why you and I can have eternal life? Because of this statement. Uh, we have eternal life in His son when you got in his son you got put into his life that's how you got eternal life without him you don't have that and so here you are psalm chapter 90 verse number two before the mountains were brought forth or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world even from everlasting to everlasting thou art god before, before we even started with a planet, you know what you were? You were God then. And in an Everlasting, before that, you were still God. Amen. And when all this stuff gets taken away and everything else melts, you can go out there and all the way out to Everlasting, you're still God. That's just who you are. You're God. We you go, well, where did God come from? It's always been. So that doesn't make sense. Neither does your Big Bang. That doesn't bother me. You don't seem to have a problem with not making sense over there. They just don't like it when it doesn't make sense to them. Anyways, I'm going to bring that back in, okay? Uh, uh, We all know John chapter 1 and verse number 1, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. We know who He is, the Word, right? 1 John chapter 5. We already read it, verse number 7. He is part two of the Godhead. That's the Son. We know that because the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's who He is. And as part of the Godhead, you know what He is? He's from the beginning. He's all the way back there from when God was. You say, when was that? Way back there before everlasting. (laughs) That that doesn't make sense to me. Makes perfect sense. I don't understand why you got a problem with it. That's who God is. He's everlasting. You can't get around it. Uh, Look over Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. I would expound a lot on these verses, but they're so self-explanatory, I don't know what to say. I mean, you just look at the page. The Bible is not as hard to understand as people would like to make it be. Uh, Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 14. He is talking about the sacrifice of the blood of bulls and goats, right? In verse 13. And he says this, verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, notice this, who through the eternal spirit Offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. There is the eternal spirit going nowhere. Say, uh, how can all three of these be God? Because they're God. That's who they are. It's the three, but they all share these attributes of an eternal God. They're all holy. They're all truth. They're all righteous. They're all, we could I, literally, we could go on for hours. And talk about how these three all share every one of the exact same attributes of the greatness and the mercy and the long suffering and the gentle. We could go down the list, and you know what all three of these are? Exactly that. They're the same person, they just exercise and work in different ways in your life. That's the only difference. And so we're going to see that. We're going to see what they do. Let's look at the work that they do. Those are the attributes of God. Here's the work that God does. Uh, go back to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. We'll go all the way back to the beginning. We already mentioned John chapter 1, right? Right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. He says in verse number 3, All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. You realize you can't have a universe without Jesus Christ. Without Him was not anything made that was made. If it was made, Jesus made it. Well, Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. You realize that these three right here all show up in the first three verses of the Bible? God shows up. There's the Father. His will is to create a universe. So He does. And the Spirit of God moves upon the face of the waters. He's already working. And God said, there's His Word. Without Him was not anything made that was made. So why does God speak everything into existence? Because that's Jesus Christ part of creation. That's the exercising of the body. And He uses it. And out it comes. And He just said, let there be. And it was so. And it was so. And it was so. And he just kept creating until he was done. And without him was not anything made that was made. So, what does God do? He creates an entire universe. And the Godhead is working to make the whole universe. Look over at uh, Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53. Say, do you understand the Godhead? No. (laughs) Not entirely. I get it, but I don't get it. Mm -hmm. Here's the the places where I start I start breaking down in my brain because I'm not smart enough. All right. Jesus Christ is God, right? He's God manifest in the flesh. He shows up. He is born of Mary, who is child of the Holy Ghost. Mm. Realize that all three parts of the Godhead work within the birth of Jesus Christ to come into being. That's how how He operates. And Mary comes and and she has Jesus. And do you realize that the angel of the Lord is a title for Jesus Christ? Do you know who shows up to the shepherds? The angel of the Lord. Say, what's the problem? Mary's having a baby. The angel of the Lord is showing up to a field to some shepherds while Jesus is being born over there in Bethlehem. So how does that work? I don't know. This is where my brain breaks, okay? I'm sorry. It's just, you, see what, you say, what's he doing? He's showing that he's God. He operates different than you and I can operate. Does that make him, that make him wrong? No, that makes him better than you and I. Does it make me wrong because I can't understand it? Nope, I just got to believe it. The problem with us is we don't want to believe what God said. God writes it down. And he already says, just believe me. Okay, I'll believe you. You realize that Jesus, Jesus is, is coming out of a tomb, and the angel of the Lord is the one who's proclaiming that he's coming out of the tomb? I mean, this is, it, you're like, what is happening? It's God. It's God doing what God does. Here he is. You say, do you understand all the pieces? I don't understand all the pieces. I understand that he's God. That's the only piece I have to understand. And when you resign to that, you know what you'll find? You'll find the greatness of who God is. Notice in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse number 10, you have the death of Jesus Christ. And right, Isaiah 53, one of the most quoted prophetic passages on Jesus Christ and his death. You get to verse number 10, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. You know what? You know what one of the agents was in the death of Jesus Christ? God the Father. Didn't he send his son? Wasn't it his, wasn't it his will that Jesus Christ resigned to in Gethsemane? Well, then God plays a hand in, his, in the death of his own son. He plays a hand in himself being killed. Look over at John chapter, number, uh, uh, John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Got so many references on here that I uh, almost lost my place right there. John chapter 10. Brother Tony Shirley mentioned this passage. John chapter 10. Verse number 29. Or no, I'm in the wrong spot. Verse number 18 earlier. He says this, Jesus, no man taketh it from me. Or verse number 17. Let's grab 17. Therefore doth my father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father. You know what he says? Nobody's going to kill him. You know, they didn't take Jesus and kill him. Jesus laid down his life for the sheep. Pilate's sitting there. Hey, don't you know I have power to crucify thee and power to release thee? Jesus laughs at him. (laughs) Thou had no power at all, except it were given thee from above. You can't kill me. Who can kill Jesus? Nobody. Just lay his life down. You know, the Holy Spirit was a part of the death of Jesus Christ. Look over at, uh, uh, we actually, we already read it. Uh, Hebrews chapter 9, and verse 14. He he makes the offering by the Spirit of God. That's the offering. God's led and, and guides, and those three pieces are all working in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. But not only are they working in His death, they also work in His resurrection. Jesus Christ goes, not only do I have power to lay it down, I have power to take it up again. <laughs> right. He says, I have no problem laying it down. I also have no problem getting back up when I feel like it. <laughs> and he says, I, I've got power to come up out of a grave whenever I want to. He looked at them and he said, hey, destroy this temple in three days. I'll raise it again. I don't have to worry about it. You go, go ahead and destroy it. I'll go ahead and build it back up. Not a problem. Amen. Just like that. Look over at... Uh, uh, let's, do, uh, let's go to Acts chapter 2. Look at Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse number 32. Who raised Jesus? Well, verse number 32. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Well, God the Father raised Him. But Jesus but wait a minute look over at first uh, Peter chapter 3 first Peter chapter 3 and verse number 18 first Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. For Christ also hath, suffer, hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Well, it brought him back to life? Was it God? Was it himself? Was it the Spirit? It was all three. Because he's God. They're all God. Uh, I'm not going to cover all these. I'm going to not just sake of time, uh, I'll give you some verses you can go to, all right? Uh, feel free, you can look them all up later. Uh, but you realize that the indwelling of God that came into you when you got saved, you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You know what you got? You've got God inside of you. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 6, you got God the Father right there. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 27, you got Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. That You got Jesus inside you. You get over to uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19, you know the spot. That you're the temple of the Holy Ghost. And His Spirit dwelleth in you. Okay, well then, guess what? That God is inside of you. Well, all three parts right there, they all reference it. They all do the same thing. Uh, you realize that the security of the believer, your eternal security is wrapped up in the Godhead. John chapter 10, most familiar spot on it. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish, right? My father which gave them me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. You can't get out of Jesus' hand, you can't get out of the father's hand and by the way, you and I are kept by the power of, Of the Holy Spirit. He came and sealed you. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 13 and 14. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. You are sealed until the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit sealed you, and until Jesus comes to get you and redeem and finish the product that He is trying to create and make in you, He goes ahead. Until that day, you and I got the Holy Spirit of God inside of us that sealed us and kept us for all of eternity. That is who he is. And that's the Godhead. And when you start messing with these three pieces, now the real problem is where do people go wrong on this? Why is this a big deal? What happens? You realize you most of the time, you know what you find? You find there's no problem with you calling God God as the God the Father. I realize, well, yeah, he's God. Yeah. Okay. God. Got it. And there's also usually no problem with you talking about the Holy Spirit as if the Holy Spirit is God. You know that They really don't care about that. Well, yeah, that's the Spirit of God, of course. Yeah, you know, it's moving. And it's when you bring up Jesus. <laughs> now, here's the problem. The problem for them is I don't understand how Jesus can also be God and still, you know, do all the things. You know what they can't grasp? They can't grasp 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. Also, by the way, changed in almost every new version. Great is the mystery of godliness, God. So what, why do you emphasize that word right there? Because that's the one all the new ones change. They change that to he. So what does that do? That just says that Jesus was manifest in the flesh then. Doesn't tell you who he was. There's no antecedent to he in the passage. Well, what does it leave? It leaves you ambiguous. So then you're left to assume that it's just talking about Jesus. And Jesus was manifest in the flesh. And these are the things that he did. No, no. It was God Amen. that was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed in the world, received up in the glory. That's who He is. Look over at John chapter 8. John chapter 8. The nation of Israel had a problem with Jesus. The religious leaders of His day had a problem with Jesus because of the declaration that He makes to who He is. The declaration of who Jesus Christ is repeatedly. He doesn't do it once. He does it repeatedly. That it is not just the fact that He is a messenger from God come down. It's not that He is a good man that has shown up. It is not that He is just going to be the Lamb of God and lay down His life, a ransom for many. Is that He is God that has stepped down out of the glories of heaven to the face of this earth and that He is the fullness of the Godhead bodily standing in front of them and the choice they must make. Look at verse number 49 here of John chapter 8. Jesus answered, I have not a devil, but I honor my Father, and ye do dishonor me. And I seek not mine own glory, there is one that seeketh and judgeth. Verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. Then said the Jews unto him, Now we know that thou hast a devil. Abraham is dead, and the prophets, and thou sayest, If a man keep my saying, he shall never taste of death. Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead? And the prophets are dead, whom makest thou thyself? who Who do you think you are saying those kind of things? Who do you think you are making a claim like that? Here's Jesus. Verse 54, Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father that honoreth me, of whom ye say that he is your God. Yet ye have not known him, but I know him. <laughs> and if I should say I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you. <laughs> sweet Jesus, right here. He's sweet and loving and caring, right? Compassionate Jesus. But I know him and, and keep his saying, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, barely, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. What did Jesus do? He took what uh, Moses was told back there in Exodus. Moses there in front of that burning bush. Burning bush is telling him, Hey, you need to go and you need to go and you need to do these. Well, who, who, who do I tell him sent me? I am that I am. Just tell him I sent you. Jesus stands there, and you know what he says? Before Abraham was, I am. Well, he didn't mean that he was God. Next verse. Next verse. Then they took up stones to cast at him. Well, why would they do that? Well, look over at chapter 9, or chapter 10. Look at John chapter 10. Verse number 29. We were just talking about it, right? My sheep hear my voice, verse 27. I give unto them eternal life, so on. I and my Father are one, right? Verse number 30. I and my Father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again, verse 31, to stone him. Verse 32. Jesus answered them, many good works have I showed unto you. I showed you from my Father, for which of those works do you stone me? Why are they picking up stones? Verse 33, the Jews answered him, saying, for a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy. And because that thou being a man, makest thyself God. Say, why do they want to stone him? Well, back there in chapter 8, they wanted to stone him because he made himself God. Right here in chapter 10, you know what they want? They want to stone him because they've made, he's made himself God. You know what they didn't believe? They didn't believe he was God. Well, either he is or he isn't. By the way, if Jesus Christ isn't God, you and I are in a world of trouble anyways. But if he is God, and you don't want to believe him, you're in a world of trouble. And you'll step off into eternity and straight into a lake of fire that burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And He'll be the one who's your judge sitting in front of you. The one who sees everything and the one who knows everything and the one who's everywhere all the time and has all the wisdom and all the power and all the great... You know what He's going to do? He's going to take that power He's got and He's going to go ahead and say, Hey, you know what? Fear Him that is able to destroy both body and soul in hell and He's going to drop you over there. If He's God... If He's not, you got nothing to worry about. Except the problem is this. You know what even religion wants to say? Well, Jesus, He's he's the Savior. He's the Savior. There's religions in this world who go, Jesus is not God. He's a secondary God. He's this, He's that. You know what their answer is? He's just a begotten God. He's just something else. You know what? He's the Savior though. Okay, here's the problem. Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah chapter 43. Now you know all the passages, right? Luke chapter 2, you go to Jesus Christ, His birth. Luke chapter 2, one of the most famous passages, right? We read it every year at Christmas. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swallowing clothes, lying in a manger. He says, uh, I'm going to turn there because I'm not quite going to quote this right. It's not coming back to me. First John chapter 4. In verse number 14, And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. That's who He is. You get to Isaiah chapter 43 and verse number 11. I, even I, am the Lord. There He is. Who so is He? He's God. And beside me there is no Savior. While either Jesus is the Savior, that makes Him God, or He's no Savior at all. Look over at chapter 49. Isaiah 49. Look at verse 26. And I will feed them that oppress thee with their own flesh, and they shall be drunken with their own blood as with the sweet wine. And all flesh shall know that I, the Lord, am thy Savior and thy Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Who is He? He's God. Who's going to redeem Israel? Jesus Christ is going to step down out of the glories of heaven. He's going to be the one who comes down and goes ahead and saves Israel. He's the Redeemer. He's the Savior. That's who He is. If you want to discount who Jesus Christ is out of the Godhead, you know what you find? You find yourself in a world of trouble with the God of the universe. Because you've just denied the God of the universe, that He is exactly who He says He is. The Father goes ahead and wants to see a world saved, so you know what He does? He sends Himself the Son the fullness of the Godhead bodily to give His life a ransom for many, to be nailed to the cross of Calvary to pay the debt of all of the world's sins. And He goes ahead and lays Him in a tomb for three days and three nights. And up from the grave He arose with a mighty triumph for His foes. And as He bursts forth out of that tomb, He goes ahead and waits to ascend and go ahead and take captivity with Him. And He goes ahead and leads them out. And when He leaves, He goes ahead and says, you know what I'll do? I'll send you a comforter that'll lead and guide you into all truth. And so you know what you are? ever present with you are ever present with god and if you'd accept jesus christ as your savior like 14 did on friday you know what you'd have you'd have the peace of god that passeth all understanding. You'd finally have peace with a God who loves you and wants to save you. A God that wants to go ahead and meet all of your needs. You realize that the God that we talk about, the God that we worship, the God that we look to and the one that we are always trying to brag on, you know what He can do? Everything He says that He can. Because He's all-powerful. God has never come up short on any account. And when it comes to saving a lost soul, you know what He'll do? He'll always come through on His promise. His promise to save to the uttermost. Christian, you know what He'll do for you? Didn't He promise He'd supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus? Well, what do you need? Well, He's the supplier. He's got all the power and all the money and all the wealth and all the things. He's got it. So what do I need? I need the grace of God in my life. I need mercy. I need this. I need that. I need money. I need help. I need strength. I need health. I need wealth. I need... I don't know. I need friends. I need family. I need... The Lord will take care of all that. Well, I got a bad home life and my family doesn't care about me and my mom and dad don't... Okay, well, you know, when thy father and thy mother forsake me, the Lord will take thee up. Well, you know, I lost so much and I've lost this and I've lost... well. Look to the God that you have. God wants to be everything that He says that He is because He is everything that He says He is. We look back at an Old Testament. Man, that God in the Old Testament, He was pretty amazing. He didn't change. I didn't didn't go to it, but by the way, God is immutable. He doesn't change. (laughs) He doesn't change. You realize that God doesn't change? The Father doesn't change? The Son doesn't change. The Holy Ghost doesn't change. They always are working. And they always want to work for you. They want to help you out. But it's up to you. See, the problem with the Godhead for us is that we may not understand it, but the truth is we don't believe He is everything that He says He is. If a lost man would figure out that Jesus Christ is everything He says He is, they'd call upon Him. how foolish would you be not to, right? I mean, if Jesus is everything he says he is, if he is the one who was God who came down and gave his life to pay the debt of my sins and he gives me eternal life as a free gift because he rose from the grave, if he is everything he says he is, I'd be foolish not to call on him. He can, for- he can forgive me forever. I'll take that. but the sad reality is we went Jesus is everything he says he is I'm going to take that salvation and then the Christian goes yeah but I just can't quite get all the things that I want and all the things that I need and you know God just isn't and I just don't think I could do that for him and I just you know I know God asked me to you know quit doing that and he asked me to start doing this and he asked me to and he asked me, and all you, all you that went to Youth Ablaze, and some of you were watching some messages online and all that stuff, and you've heard message after message over and over again, and all the things that you've heard, you know what you think? You think, well, I can't do any of those. I know I want to do those things, but I couldn't possibly do those things. Yeah, because you're worried that it's you. Quit looking at you. Our job is to look to the God who is greater than who we are, A God who can do exceeding abundantly above anything you could ask or think, to look to Him to provide all of your need, including the victories that you need in your life. Including, well, I don't know, tomorrow's going to be a tough day, I'm going to go back to school. Tomorrow's going to be a tough day, I'm going back to work. Tomorrow's going to be hard because I'm going to see so and so. Tomorrow's going to be a rough time. Yeah, but there's somebody who's never left you or forsaken you. There's someone who said, I'll be with you and I'll guide you and I'll lead you and I'll help you and I'm there to strengthen you and I'll gird you up and I'll do. We've got a million verses. And we don't call upon him. And we don't rest in the fact that he is a wonderful God and he hasn't changed and he's still merciful and he's still gracious and he's still loving, but he is the all powerful, almighty, all knowing God that we claim him to be. And if Christians would live like they have the God of the Bible as opposed to the God that they've made up in their mind, then they would be great. But we fail often because we forget the greatness of the God we're supposed to follow. God has done more than enough. More than enough. Why don't you look to Him? Because he never comes short on his promises. Let's go ahead and stand. If you're in here this morning, I don't know. I don't know if anybody's lost. I don't know if everybody everybody in here could be saved. I don't know. But if you're in here and you don't know a day or a time or a place or a memory... You've got no memory of a time where you got on your face, you asked Jesus Christ to wash of your sins and forgive you forever. Today is the day of salvation. You can call upon a wonderful God and recognize that Jesus Christ came to save you. He didn't come just for the world in general. He came for you. He gave His life for you. He paid the debt of your sins. I'd love to know that there's another that wanted to call upon Him. And if it's you this morning, I'll ask you to come. We'll open up a Bible. We'll show you out of the Bible. We'll answer your questions. But you can know for sure your sins are forgiven forever, and heaven is yours forever. But Christian, maybe you've got some things going on, and you, or maybe you're just worried about tomorrow. You got back from you got back from Youth ablaze and maybe you're just worried. Hey, I don't know how I'm going to stand tomorrow. I know I'm supposed to, having done all to stand, stand therefore. I'm going to do my best to stand, and I'm going to. But maybe you just need to come down and say, Lord, I know I'm going to struggle tomorrow. I know it's going to be a fight tomorrow. I know maybe even today is going to be a fight. God, I need the God of the Bible. I need you to be everything you claim to be because you are a wonderful God and I know you want to be with me and help me. Maybe you need to call on today. Father, I thank you for the day. I thank you that you are every bit the greatest God of the universe that you claim to be. I thank that you are the God and you are God alone. And beside you, there is no other. And Lord, I pray you would help us to get a hold of that and keep a hold of that. Father, that Jesus Christ would be praised. Father, I pray if someone here doesn't know Jesus as their Savior, they'd come, they'd let us show them out of the Bible how they can have their sins forgiven. I pray today would be the day of salvation for them. Father, we love you and we pray you'd come back soon in Jesus' name. Amen.